In terms of advice, I would urge mothers in the church today to really contribute their thoughts and their experiences about motherhood to the church. Absolutely, there have been mothers for 2,000 years in the church. Of course there have been. But the experience of mothers writing and thinking about their experience of being mothers in the church is new to the church. And I think that's important. I think the church needs her mother's voices here in the 21st century. Carrie Frederick Frost is a scholar of the Orthodox theology. She's a professor of theology at St. Sophia Ukrainian Orthodox Seminary and a board member of St. Phoebe Center for Deaconesses. She is a mother of five and lives in the Pacific Northwest. Her online articles can be found on various online journals and at carriefrederickfrost.com. And her book on motherhood and Orthodox theology is entitled Maternal Body, will be available from Paulist Press in the fall of 2018. Carrie, you've just written on a range of topics from motherhood, marriage, contemporary lifestyle, to even women deaconesses in the Orthodox Christian world. Let's start with motherhood first. Tell us about motherhood as it's viewed through the lens of Orthodox Christianity. Well, motherhood is viewed in different ways within Orthodoxy, depending on the time and the place. So, for example, in the early church, when, in the minds of many, the path of consecrated virginity, which was later monasticism, was valued over marriage and was seen as a superior path to salvation, then family life, including motherhood, was really not held in a particularly high esteem. And so from that time, we have examples of women being urged to leave behind their children in order to become nuns. And let's be clear, these children were not going to be turned out into the streets. You know, these were affluent women who their sisters and their parents and their households would have taken care of these children, but still, that's just an indication of the priorities of this time and that motherhood was really not valued. But there are also other ways of thinking about motherhood in the early church. I would say that as the Christians then began to really contemplate the incarnation, the entrance of God into this flesh and into this world, there was a sense that everything previously considered to be mundane and unimportant in the human experience, like motherhood, could now be made holy. And the thinking of, about the mother of God also changed the way Christians have thought about motherhood. Christ chose to enter the world through a mother. He chose to be incarnate through a mother's womb. These acts have forever sanctified motherhood. So there's been a tension over the past 2,000 years within Christianity of how motherhood in particular and family life in general is perceived. But today, I, I think that for the most part, these different paths of monasticism and family life mutually acknowledge each other as fully Christian ways of being in the world and working towards communion with God. Okay, Carrie, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, there's a role for motherhood, uh, but there's also a role for fatherhood, and that's, of course, not this program. Uh, but I, I think, you know, many people, when they start to emphasize uh, certain teachings of the church, we have to be very careful because I know that the Lord, when he created male and female, did create roles for each, did he not? Well, that's a really big question, I think. That's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that gets to the, you know, the roots of theological anthropology and these big mm -hmm. questions of who we are and yeah. how we understand our personhood, right. right? And how we understand, you know, what it means to be sexed, what it means mm -hmm. to have male and female right. as human persons. And 
you know, as a theologian and a scholar, I think that there's really not a consensus on that in our tradition. There are lots of strains of thought. You know, there are, there are different fathers who think that that sexual di- differentiation didn't happen until after the fall. There are fathers who think that, like you said, there are these sort of complementary characteristics between male and female that mm-hmm. are, you know, very fundamental to who we are. Um, there are other thinkers who think that uh, the qualities of male and female have no ontological, have no essential um, character, and that it's the human personhood that is sort of the primary ontological character. So I, I don't think there's really a consensus here. I any, think any consensus. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I, I mean, to okay. me, that's very interesting. I think we're yeah. at an interesting place with that, uh, that mm-hmm. thought and that question in the 21st century, especially since those issues of... Um, sex and gender are really alive in our culture. Yes, very much. And unfortunately, hopefully, that will be just a trend issue and it will go away soon. Uh, the issue of uh, whether a person is male or female is bizarre for my thinking, but that's not for this program right now. Um, let's go and talk a little bit deeper about the Orthodox Christian faith that lends itself to the role of motherhood. You, you did brush on it, but let's go a little deeper. Well, so I would like to answer this question by way of a personal story. So about a decade ago, I was doing my graduate work, and I was studying Orthodox theology at the University of Virginia. Um, there's a religious studies department there, and I was in the theology, ethics, and culture program studying with the Orthodox theologian, Vegan Groyan. And at that point, I was the mother of two, and my husband and I very prayerfully and thoughtfully decided to try for a third child. And um, about 12 weeks into that pregnancy, I learned that I was actually pregnant with a third, fourth, and fifth child. I was pregnant with triplets. And so after <laughs> overcoming the initial, you know, shock and so forth of this, this news of being pregnant with triplets, for me, it, it really made me turn to my tradition for information and insight on motherhood in a new way. And first I thought I would find theological treatises. I thought I would find information on motherhood, but I really didn't. And, you know, the more I thought about it, why would I have found that? You know, until very recently, the vast majority of the theological work in our church has been done exclusively by men, who obviously are not mothers, you know, who obviously have never experienced a pregnancy or a miscarriage or nursing a child, etc. So I didn't find that cohesive treatise on motherhood that I had hoped for, but what I did find, and what I did sort of open my eyes to, is the rich source materials that we have in the Orthodox Church. So, for example, think about the feasts that we have related to motherhood. We have all these birth-related feasts. We have, of course, the Nativity of Jesus Christ, but then we also celebrate Mary's birth, the Mother of God's birth, and we celebrate John the Baptist's birth. And we even have conception-related feasts. So we have the Annunciation, of course, but we also celebrate the you know, very physical, very human conceptions of Mary and of John the Baptist. We celebrate this you know, beginning, this very physical beginning of motherhood. And icons, we have images of all these feasts surrounding us in our churches and hopefully in our homes. For me, my saint is Saint Anne, and I have an icon of her and her birth-giving of Mary, Mary's Nativity. And each time I've had a baby, I, or babies, I've taken that with me to the hospital. And I remember, especially with my firstborn, when I had many, many hours of labor, holding that icon 
and thinking about what a gift it was to have this image of this holy woman who had experienced what I was experiencing, who had gone before me in this way. Mm-hmm. And so we also have hymns. You know, we have Fruity's Feast, we have related hymns, which mentions over and over again all these acts of motherhood. Okay. So we're surrounded by these different examples in our church year, in our vision, in our hearing. And I think this is of great significance, maybe even especially because, as I said earlier, the people ordering the church calendar and composing these icons and these hymns until very recently were men. And they chose to really integrate these images of motherhood into our tradition. So it's these sources on motherhood from Orthodox Christianity that, that I find so rich and from which I draw my own theological work on motherhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us a reference from the lives of the saints or from literature that draws on the qualities uh, a mother ought to possess? Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting question, and in some ways it's a difficult question for me. It probably didn't seem mm-hmm. like a difficult question when you asked it, but let me explain why. Um, for one thing, you know, there are not that many saints in kind of the ranks of saints who are mothers, who are listed there, who are mothers. And the ones who are there are often martyrs who were martyred in some context of their motherhood. You know, um, we have Perpetua giving up her infant son so that she can go and be martyred. We have Sophia watching her own children be martyred before she is martyred. And these are absolutely meaningful saints. And they speak to, I think, what it means to be a Christian and this, you know, virtuous dedication to God. Um, but I don't think they really contain the, you know, kind of direct experience of motherhood that speaks to us today who are a little bit less likely to face the lions in the arena, at least literally. We're not likely to experience that. Um, so it's hard for me to point to someone like that who has kind of those qualities in a direct way. But what I do think that really speaks to me is this quality exhibited by the mother of God that is so meaningful for mothers today. And that is when she, after she gives birth, she and after the shepherds come to glorify Christ, Luke tells us that she takes this moment to ponder these things in her heart. And this happens again. After um, Jesus Christ is older and they go see the scholars in Jerusalem and he stays there and she goes back to look for him and finds him teaching the teachers they leave again to go home, and she again keeps all these things, treasures all thing, these things in her heart. And to me, there are two things about that that are interesting and that are qualities that mothers ought to think about that today. For one, she reserves this time to ponder these things. You know, she sets aside the time to do that. And today in this culture where all the messages around us, and especially, I think, the messages to women and to mothers are about productivity and are about being busy and about achieving and getting it all done, there is not a lot of room there to set aside that time for contemplation. So I think the mother of God is a great example and reminder for us to do that. And then secondly, she doesn't ponder these things in her mind. She specifically ponders them or treasures them in her heart. And I think that speaks to our long-standing Orthodox tradition of the heart being synonymous with our deepest self and our tradition of prayer of heart, prayer of the heart, and this way of being a mother, of, of getting in touch with that and spending the time to have that contemplative 
uh, encounter with motherhood. Carrie, in, in an article that you wrote, Women Deacons in Africa, Not in America, mm -hmm. uh, history was made, people say, on February 17, 2017, when five women were consecrated deaconesses in the Orthodox Church. For many, it's a welcome but shocking development, you wrote. What did you mean by shocking development? Well, let me tell you first what I meant by welcome. So by welcome, I meant that this news that the Patriarch of Alexandria, who's the primate over the Orthodox Church in Africa, he consecrated five deaconesses. For me and for others, this was really a cause for rejoicing because I, along with others, hope to see this historically and theologically sound order of the female diaconate revived. And as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm part of an organization, the St. Phoebe Center for the Deaconess, that, whose mission is to educate about this and kind of contemplate the future of the deaconess in the Orthodox Church. And I believe this is important for building up the church for a lot of reasons, but the two that really ring home to me are that I really believe that women in the church are sorely in need of woman-to-woman -woman ministry. And I also believe that the church is sorely in need of the service, the diaconia, that women today have to offer. So the news that his eminence, Patriarch Theodorus, had acted and had named women as deaconesses was very welcome to me. But by shocking, I meant that the newly named deaconesses in Africa came as a surprise to me and to those of us watching and studying this issue we did not know this was going to happen, and that, for one thing, it speaks to the lack of communication among the autocephalous churches and among their scholars. Okay. I do think this is changing, um, and I hope that will continue to change. I know in the ancient church, and we can't go into it right now, we just don't have the time, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but that uh, when women, when actually deacon or deaconesses uh, were ordained, they were ordained for specific purposes. And uh, that's something I think that has probably, as you said, there's not much communication on the issue. There needs to be more. I've, I've got just one more question for you, Carrie, and this, these are fantastic uh, topics, and I thank you very much for bringing a good perspective to them. Um, you talked about women. You talked about mothers. I, I think all mothers are saints. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the sacrifice, I know my own wife uh, with six children, uh, I know that uh, had she not been there for them to guide them, uh, through all their lives, they would not be the wonderful young people that they are today. Mm -hmm. um, what is the best advice that, that you would give to mothers who are listening to you and would like to share how your role as a mother has not only helped your children, but also deepened your own personal faith and your relationship with God? Well, in terms of advice, I, I would urge mothers in the church today to really contribute their thoughts and their experiences about motherhood to the church. As I noted earlier, you know, this is, in some, absolutely there have been mothers for 2,000 years in the church. Of course there have been. Mm -hmm. But the, the experience of mothers writing and thinking about church, their experience of being mothers in the church is new to the church. Um, and I think that's important. I think the church needs her mother's voices here in the 21st century. Um, so I would like to, to highlight, highlight that and to ask, mothers to engage with their priests and with the laity about their experience of what it's like to be an Orthodox mother. Um, and so as to how my motherhood has deepened my own faith, it has in many ways, but I think about this particular passage in Metropolitan Callistus Wears, The Orthodox Way, 
where he talks about the nihilism of our age, and he talks about how there's so many messages in our culture to the effect that there's nothing enduring, nothing true, nothing meaningful. And I think, if anything, you know, here in 2017, we are even more bombarded by those nihilistic messages than when he wrote those words. But he goes on to say that for him, when he really opens his eyes and he looks at the world around him, when he looks at its complexity, when he looks at the people he knows and loves, the natural beauty of the world, it seems to him that the only logical conclusion is that, of course, there are things that endure. Of course, there is truth. And of course, there is meaning. And for me and my experience of motherhood, my children are my touchstone on exactly this point. So when I am with them, I am reminded that no matter how dark the world is or how dark my own heart is, of course there are things that endure and there is truth and there is meaning. And they are for me this sacred reminder that we are all created, we are all forever loved, and that we are truly intended for eternity. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate uh, your perspectives and uh, obviously your theology and the professionalism with which we were able to discuss this issue today. God bless you in all you do. Thank you, Father. It was my pleasure. I see the world your way And I'm not afraid to follow I see the world your way And I'm not ashamed to say so I see the Jesus way And I'm walking in life